You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The first of April, April Fools. It's the 10th anniversary show of Locked On Jazz. We're doing it today. Let's bust it open. We'll talk about the Jazz Amazing Win. We'll rehash 10 years of doing this crazy show some 2,000 times. And we'll talk, take your questions, your interaction. We're live on a bunch of platforms. It is locked on jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan. It was March 30th of 2011 that we did our first ever edition i think we called it tip off but i don't know i was actually i'm a few minutes late because i was trying to find it again on youtube and can't uh it doesn't doesn't seem to be there uh it used to be on youtube as our uh 10th anniversary as as we had that show and it was available and i opened it up and i I said i don't really know what we're doing here but we're gonna hang out and we'll talk about the Jazz, and, and maybe we'll talk about some BYU and some Utah, which actually didn't turn out happening. Um, so it wasn't entirely clear that I had any idea what we were doing when we started this show. Uh, it's not entirely clear I have any idea what we're doing with this show now. But it's been quite a run, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to share it with you today. I, I, had, I just jotted down a few notes that I'll share with you, and then we'll get to the more important thing, which is, the Jazz' incredible win last night and how good this team is right now. That was just a bona fide big-time win last night. Third time in five days against him. It's funny, if you listen to Lockdown NBA today, you can tell I can't quite get over the fact that the Jazz won last night. And I actually want to talk the entire Lockdown NBA episode with Ben Golliver about the Jazz and how good they are. So if you want to hear a lot of Jazz national talk, you'll get it because I kind of just forced it upon uh, everybody. The... Um, I, I saw uh, various people jumping in, um, some of which are, are watching who've had to listen to this through the house every day for 10 years. So I probably should first thank my pa- my family, who when I do this at 6 a.m. in the morning or other times along the way are the ones who end up having to wa- listen to it, whether they want to or not. Um, so I probably should give them a little a shout out first. Uh, the few memories I had on this that I wanted to share is um, one I remember really vividly, and it's probably tip of the hat, to the jazz organization. I remember my friend, Alan Horton, who's the Timberwolves play-by-play announcer saying, man, that's a lot of content. If you're bad, that is a lot of content. If you're bad. And, uh, we really have never been bad. We had one year where we weren't great. Um, but it, it was, and we had that stretch of times where we were confused as a fan base of whether, we wanted to be playing young guys or whether we wanted to be playing old guys, whether we wanted to win or whether we didn't want to win all these kind of various aspects to it. And, and that was actually when we built one of the, I thought one of the better things ever, it was the daily DeVar friend of mine named DeVar. Who's uh, a professor at the university of Utah at, at saw me in a parking lot somewhere one day. And this was in the midst of like Millsap and Jefferson versus favors and Cantor and, Alec Burks and Randy Foy and who should Ty Corbin be playing? And it was just kind of a toxic, not a great environment for us every single day to be talking. And the, the 
Uh, and he was like, I love this team. I, and he was just so exuberant about how much he loved the team and loved the players. And it led us, if you recall, to the uh, going back and then having every day the thing that we enjoyed the most about our team open the show. It's probably like a good life lesson that we should all be following all the time. It's just opening every day, you know, with what we're thankful for, or gratitude, or however you want to uh, phrase it. We were, we were actually mindfulness before mindfulness was in, before Calm and Headspace and all of our apps. Uh, the other one uh, was the pins across the world, which was a great, again, it was probably, we weren't very good. Let's put these things down on paper. And it was where everyone listened to the show um, along the way. And, um, and so that, that was a really fun time. I got duped, I think, into a Will Prince, uh, Bel Air, uh, read and an Austin, uh, and a Austin Powers read along the way. And, and so anytime I can make a fool of myself, it generally is a good segment. I, I would share with you when we were like going for investors and I was pitching the show, they would ask like, well, what, where did this start? And how did you know it was working? And, you know, I'll share with you what I, what I always said was one is I had just, you know, started as the jazz announcer. So this was 10 years ago when um, I had done the first two years as the jazz announcer, also doing a talk show. And I, I no longer was doing the talk show, but I kind of realized um, that you couldn't do NBA play by play anymore, just communicating 82 games a year like that. And following hot rod, I thought I had very little chance of success if I tried to do that. So it was, how can we do something that's a little different, stay better connected, really connect with the community, have a relationship that's beyond just calling the games every day. That was, that was the origins of it. Um, and that, you know, and I, frankly, I'd been fired in Seattle. It's a less than appealing experience. Um, and I was trying to avoid having that happen again. The second part was then they would ask me in the investor meetings, like, well, how did you know it was working? And I don't know if you guys remember this, but we were on YouTube and I podcasting had just risen up. This was probably seven, eight years ago. And I was walking through the arena at night and it was clear to me, like all of a sudden the people are saying, oh, I love the show. I love the show. And there was like this obvious little buzz going on. I was like, okay, people are paying attention to this. This is not just for my own um, mental health of doing the show every morning. And I remember I asked a bunch of people for about a month to email me whether they listened on these new things called podcasts or whether they emailed me on or they watched on YouTube. And because we had the YouTube view numbers, I was able to extrapolate that out. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a moneymaker. Like this thing's actually taken off. So um, anyway, that was, um, that was kind of, and that's how I then, you know, and then we, the rest of the pitch, you don't really care about and it served its purpose. So uh, anyway, the, uh, the other one I would share with you, like just funny memories and some of them aren't funny. Like we used to do this in Google Hangout where the first kind of 15 people would get into the room or 20 people get in the room and we'd all be there together. And then of course somebody exposed themselves. So that was really suboptimal. Um, and that was the end of that. So we had a bunch of iterations. We made a ton of mistakes. Um, we did it wrong a lot of times. I'm not trying to be like, I, I don't, you know, I'm old. So as being old now, I think if you're young and you're listening, if I could give you one thought, if you want that, like be totally willing to just try things and make mistakes. We've tried more stuff on this show over 10 years made more terrible mistakes, ruined more shows, done more crazy things, tried to do audio X's and O's sometimes. I mean, it, we've done some bad, bad shows in two, over 2000. And I think the authenticity of what we tried to do has come across to you and know that the intentions were always good. Some of the ideas were good. Some of them were bad. We've tried various things. 
Um, and uh, so anyway, um, you know, uh, Robert Rogers says Google Hangout was a train wreck, total train wreck, total train wreck. So really great. Um, I do want to get to the jazz. They're great and take your questions on the jazz. Uh, if anyone has any memories, they want to kind of throw in there uh, on any of our chats. Uh, feel free. Uh, Jay Brown 24 on Twitch, which didn't exist when we started this, uh, says, remember the Google Hangout days? Uh, my guy, Tim Lacombe, is doing just a great job in our studio uh, this year, uh, has been with us. He was a little busy with BYU uh, for all of that. Uh, Lee Jansen with the scariest comment of all. Let's do another 10. I don't see why not, but uh, it is kind of, uh, that sounds daunting. Um, so, and thank you to John Colton, who says he's been here since episode one. Uh, of the podcast. Um, and uh, Alan Corbin probably should do real meditation or I put him to sleep. He says Locked on Jazz is his mindful um, app. All right, we'll get to the, those are kind of my opening thoughts on this one. Uh, enough about that. But I, I do, you know, I think the bigger lesson I would, or message I kind of want um, is thank you. Um, Jack T says, however, I missed the daily video of David. I think we're heading back in that direction at some point here pretty shortly, by the way. I would suspect this show is live here again um, all the time. Um, uh, the um, I do want to, you know, I guess my bigger kind of thing I, I want to just say is thanks. Like, um, it's been an amazing 10 years of, like, doing this. It was a new format. It's kind of, <laughs> we're still kind of one of the only people that do it. Obviously, we built a network around it. From a play-by-play standpoint, we're the only one. Um, so I think that, you know, it's neat. To, and, and as I've said, I think a lot of times I said this on the when the news came out that we sold the company, like it wasn't, if it wasn't for the confidence that, and support you've given this show, there's no chance I would have uh, followed through with all of the kind of visions and everything. So thank you. I hope you feel a lot of ownership to it and that. All right, let's, uh, we'll get to an incredible win last night and just zeroing in on the number one seat and, Holy beep to beep, are they good? I mean, they're just so good. I'm blown away by it on a regular basis right now about how good this basketball team really is. Uh, So uh, it's pretty amazing. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Grip6.com. Grip6 belts and Grip6.com, a local Utah company. The honeycomb belts, what I have been wearing the last few days. They've also got a great wallet and socks, but I can, I'm can. i here to talk to you about the amazing Grip 6 belts. Engineered without holes, flaps, or bulk. Quality craftsmanship. Unlimited lifetime guarantee. You can wear the workman belt, the work belt. Those are a little bigger. You can get a thinner belt. You can get the nice carbon fiber ones. They're super sweet looking and can work formally. Or the more low-key, you can have some fun with the new chest series, the classic series, the work belt, the ultralight, the naturalist series. All in there, <clears throat> the Natural Series got some pretty cool Uinta gun belt and Wasatch gun belt. They also have them in blue steel and different colors um, along the way, and they're, they're pretty cool uh, look. A lot of creativity by the uh, Grip 6 crew, and then also just, frankly, the best belt out there. Like, <clears throat> it fits better. It fits correctly. It's absolutely fantastic. Grip6.com. That's Grip6.com. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 15 percent off there is a new podcast it's actually not a locked on podcast i usually tell you about locked on this one's kind of interesting and and worth uh taking a a quick check on if you get a chance um it is the podcast is called death at the wing and 
in the 80s, we, we think about Magic and Bird and Dr. J and all the generation of basketball stars, but there's also a whole collection of prospects that fell victim to historical social, economic, and political forces that defined the 80s, took the next generation of sports um, stars. Reaganong, uh, Reaganomics created the explosion in wealth for the richest members of America. Cracking cocaine also made its way through the neighborhoods where aspiring basketball players lived. Cars got faster. Car accidents took lives. Guns became easier to acquire. Healthcare and education budgets were slashed. Incarceration skyrocketed. Many players were lost, suspended, jailed, and less fortunate died. This is the podcast. It's all this death at the wing. The host is Adam McKay. He's a writer, director, podcast host, occasional actor, most notably known as a founding member of the Upright Citizens Brigade, former head writer on Saturday Night Live, and also writer and director for Anchorman and The Big Short. So pretty interesting guy leading a really interesting podcast. Uh, It's called Death at the Wing, wherever you get your podcast, start listening. I would also, of course, tell you to go grab Locked On Today, my favorite new podcast. My first minutes every day are Locked On Today and NPR's up first. And then I know the sports world and the news world and I can go on. All right, let's talk about the Jazz last night. That was awesome. I'll tell you what, they just keep doing it. They keep winning games that make me just believe. And just believe me, and I think we're going to win a title. I got no idea. But historically, we're in that realm. Um, To win without Donovan, to win after what they experienced. I mean, those quotes from Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson and Quinn Snyder. And I know Quinn pretty well. In our coaches' show last night, he was shook. For them to come out and play a game that I thought had that level of focus, uh, with everything that they had just been through without Donovan last night, I thought was... I thought it was wildly impressive. And then close, you know, beat a team who knows how to play you three times in the last four, three times since Friday. Uh, And then to go down late without Donovan, where Donovan, you know, late in games, we have relied entirely on Donovan this year. I actually think that might be the really big positive takeaway from last night is, is, you know, Donovan's watching the game last night and maybe seeing, and it's not like he didn't think this before, but I think he feels the burden of taking those shots. We've talked a lot about it. There's been the whole hero ball conversation. You know, Mike was brilliant last night. I also think he gives Quinn the freedom to say like, hey, if we need to, we can go to Mike Conley in a pick and roll. We can run, you know, something. Donovan's taken 42 shots in the clutch. He's also going to line 17 times. So you kind of do a little quick math on that. And Donovan has, you know, used about 51 possessions Bogdanovich has used 18, and Mike Conley now after last night has used about 21. So we've been just wildly Donovan dominant late in games, which has been fine. He's been okay. And he's shooting 33%, 26% from three. Hasn't been great. He's been okay. Those are hard. You're not going to shoot great in that scenario. But we've been really, really Donovan dominant. The beauty of our team is when we're not that way, when we don't have to be Donovan Dominant, when we can push the ball ahead, we can make the plays, when we can we can do those kind of things. I, I think that <clears throat> you look at that and those are the that's what makes the Jazz great. And if we can stay in that mode in the clutch, and when we did it, we've done it twice against Boston. Donovan pushed ahead to Bogdanovich. He hit a big shot. We've pushed it and have different versatile possibilities on pick and roll and not feel as dependent of just being Donovan. I think that um will be a uh, really, really good stretch uh, or good sign for the Jazz. So I, I think there's a lot to build off of this game moving forward in the way they played. I, I also just thought they were great last night. Like, that was a 
They led almost the entire game. I, I didn't see the final numbers. I would guess we led for about 45 minutes of that game. Uh, then, but it was never more than 10 other than a br- brief moment. They had one little run in the game, but not much more than that. And they just battled. Like, they didn't blink at all. There was no stretch of the game where you kind of thought to yourself, like, whoa, what's going on? There was, no, there was like, there was a big sequence where John ja Morant hit a three where your thought was, like, you know, a prayer three that if that didn't go, we we probably had them and it didn't go our way. There was another time where it didn't go our way. Then frankly, they missed two lamps. We led, we led for 46 minutes last night, which is a lot. Um, but we never had a run more than nine. There was only four ties, only two leachings. We just left it between four and eight most of the night. And I, I, I and you know, I thought it was crazily impressive um, in how they were able to uh, do that last night. So I want to get some of your thoughts more today. Uh, on this anniversary show, get your comments about the Jazz. Continue to take those. Um, just the way they, you know, Conley five of five in the clutch last night, just awesome. Back is and just playing it. Um, and and I think the other one last night, and you know, they didn't have Grayson and they didn't have Jaron Jackson, they didn't have Justice Winslow. And this is to me a sign of just how good the Jazz are. Is they just were way better than Memphis, right? Like that's where when you play a team three times in a week, you don't beat them because the difference between the two teams isn't that big a difference. And so it's hard to beat a team three times in two days or five days, whatever it was. For the Jazz to go beat Memphis three times in five days, it just means they're way better than they are. And, you know, way better is like, I, maybe that, you know, when you're the elite team of the NBA or one of the two or three elite teams of the NBA, then maybe you are way better than a 500 team. But we haven't been way better in years past. Um and a team like Memphis wins a lot of games because they play really, really hard. So the fact that we're better than they are and played hard at the same time to get us that victory is pretty cool. Let me share something with you. I did this on Lockdown NBA today with Ben Golliver, but the Jazz differential now is nine for the whole season. If you go to clean the glass, it's actually better than nine. It's about 11 if you take out blowout time, but we've had a lot of it. But that's let's go with nine, official numbers. Uh, we are currently the fourth best offensive team and the third best defensive team. Here are the other teams that have had a differential of nine over the last 20 years. Last year's Milwaukee Bucks, they got knocked out after Miami. They had all sorts of internal problems. They fell apart. Uh, other teams are at nine. The 16-17 Golden State Warriors were at 11. It's one of the greatest teams of all time. They won the title. The 15-16 Spurs were at 11. They lost to the Warriors when Kawhi, when Zaza went under Kawhi. The Warriors that year were at 10.6. That's like the greatest Western Conference matchup of all time, 73 wins versus 67. Cavaliers beat the Warriors in the finals. The 14-15 Warriors win the title. The 12-13 Oklahoma City Thunder lose to Memphis in the second round to uh, Mike Conley in Memphis in a little bit of a stunner. They were a 9.9 and lost that year. None of the Miami Heat teams ever were plus nine, kind of amazingly. Um, The 08-09 Cleveland Cavaliers were 9.6, lost in the finals. The 07-08 Boston Celtics were 10.8. They won the title. The 06-07 Spurs were a 9.2. They won the title. It does feel like, not to be negative on this, but it is interesting to see like that they're, um, 
And that's it. I think that's since 2000, that's it. There's not another team that had uh, a plus nine. I mean, we're in rarefied air the way we're playing right now. The one thing I would say is that there may be a load management element to this where teams, you know, the regular season numbers are not quite as important. We've seen, you know, last year was the bubble, so it's really weird, but Milwaukee was a 9.3. The Clippers were a 6.3. Boston was a 6.3. Toronto was a 6.1. Like the finals were the fifth differential versus seventh differential. I think that's a little misleading. The the 18-19, the finals were the number two and the number three differential teams. We were actually number four that year. Um, so, I, you know, Milwaukee just may be also the team. And maybe, you know, Atlanta's the other team people want to talk about, but their differential wasn't a nine in there. Uh, a lot of conversation about that on Locked on NBA. All right, let me go uh, through some of our chat. I have a question here of when do announcers travel again? I don't know. I hope soon. Um, even after what the team went through, that would be the first time I'm glad I wasn't traveling. You just can't call a road game. You just can't do your job right. Uh, and I'm not bringing you enough out of it. I'm doing the best I can. Um, but there's just no way to do the job. And I just don't have any texture to the calls. I haven't been around the guys at all. Um, so it's, that's been uh, um, that's been difficult. But I And so hopefully soon. Uh, and hopefully, you know, more importantly, hopefully we get our numbers back down in Salt Lake City. We can fill up the arena and create an incredible home court advantage. Uh, for the Jazz in the playoffs. I mean, this could really be a chance to win a title as a community. You know, if we can get our numbers down, if we can follow the rules, if we can set rule, the league, uh, get the league to buy into what we're doing and we're going to follow them and wear our masks and do the things we're supposed to do in the arena, this is a chance for us to, as a community to win a title. It's pretty great. Uh, is there a chance to, we add a wing defender from the buyout market? I still feel like we need for the playoffs. Um, you know, first thing that got to be, it was interesting. Somebody asked me about Terrence Ferguson who's I think out there. And first thing is if we add a player, we have to cut someone at this point, having added Matt Thomas and Ursan Ilyasova, we're full. So you have to cut and it can't be Jarrell Brantley and it can't be Trent Forrest. They're two way contracts. So you'd have to cut a Jawan Morgan or, um, or Matt Thomas or Ursan Ilyasova or uh, someone of that nature uh, or Elijah Hughes. Um, so I, I think that, you know, you got to make sure you really believe this player is going to assist you enough that it's worth cutting someone. <clears throat> the second thing was interesting, like Terrence Ferguson's really interesting. 23, first round pick, can't shoot, um, long, defensive, scarred a lot, number one. Like, is he better than Mia Oni? Like, he's a little longer. So, yeah, I mean, you're actually asking for probably a six, you're getting really specific now. You want a six, eight wing defender who can guard up a little bit. Um rather than someone in the nature of, you know, because Mione's pretty good. Like now he's young and he's, he's, he's inexperienced. And so maybe that's going to be a little bit harder for him um, than some other things. But I think it's, uh, you know, quite frankly, I think it'll be, that's the one thing you have to look at is, um, is that Colton Thompson. I see your message. Thank you very much. Joshua Cook. I see your message. Thank you uh, very much. I don't want to make this totally self-grandizing. Um, Garrett McKay, thank you very much. Uh, Jordan Greer with maybe the most important message of all. Love me some mudslide cookies. Absolutely. We haven't done mudslide cookies as much this year. Um, Morris, are we good enough to make the finals? Absolutely. Will we? I don't know. Are we? Absolutely. I think the Clippers are great. They keep getting bored and doing silly stuff. It tells me there's something a little off. I do think they traded Lou Williams because they were having still having, you know, they hadn't figured out the chemistry of that team yet. 
Um, you know, when Anthony Davis and LeBron James are back, I think they're obviously loaded. I'm not totally convinced that Andre Drummond helps them. It might ruin their floor spacing, actually, and he's not an efficient player, and he doesn't get back in transition defense. Uh, so if we can play fast, that might be to our advantage. I think Denver's great. Um, I think Denver's really great. Uh, and I, I've kind of been saying this for months on end. I think they're every bit of title contender that we are. Uh, even though their record's not as good and this and that, they've got Jokic. Um, you know, I've we we've been you kind of heard me. We've done betonline.ag ads, which I'll probably roll into right now. And the fact is, I've kind of made the comment the whole time that if I had, you know, if I was going to do something there, which I'm not allowed to do, that's that's been the play I would have made um, the entire time. Is that I think Denver's every bit um, as solid. Uh, as we are locked on today is your daily gambling podcast 15 minutes every day to update you as major league baseball gets underway today the first game tips off in a few hours the yankees and the blue jays they actually have a run line which i've never seen by baseball it's kind of an interesting way to and then they also have the money line on all the games and the over under uh i've never seen a run line i didn't know if they've maybe they've changed on base i don't gamble a lot so i'm probably not the person to be like oh i've seen that before um but kind of uh interesting nba futures uh on the championship brooklyn at plus 225 lakers at plus 300 clippers at 575 jazz at 800 milwaukee at 900 76ers at 1200 and the nuggets at 2000 that's my point phoenix at 2800 centering ben golliver on locked on uh, NBA kind of dismiss the chances of uh, Phoenix too. Doesn't see them as a complete contender in the same way. Um, Western Conference odds, Lakers plus 150, Clippers at plus 275, Jazz at plus 375, and Nuggets at plus 1,200. It, it's going to change, but as of you know, right now, it feels as though right now the Jazz will be the one seed Phoenix or the Clippers will be two. Phoenix feels like it. They've got a big stretch coming up where they play the best teams in the East back to back to back. Clippers will be the three seed with, I think, Denver, Portland at four, five, Lakers at six, Dallas in a play in game, and they're really good at seven. Not sure what happens. San Antonio stays in there, and then Sacramento's made a little surge. I would expect New Orleans catches Memphis at some point here. Um, and then Golden State's been just kind of muddling around at 500. That play-in game could have Dallas, San Antonio, Golden State, and New Orleans. Luka, Steph, and Zion. Woo! Um, but that's kind of the way I see it. The number one seed's mammothly important. Mammothly important because the other team's played two games uh, before him. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. The championship is set, and it's a chunk fest. The cookie dough chunk and chopped the coconut brownie chunk head-to-head in the championship as cookies and cream goes down to cookie dough crunch and mint chocolate uh, coconut brownie chunk goes down to or beat mint brownie so the chunks are in the finals i'm voting coconut brownie chunk i've said it the whole time ever since i've had that that was the best bar i've ever tasted in my entire life you can get it with the promo code lock 15 you get 15 percent off go to builtbar.com I don't know if even chunks are in stock. They're that good right now. So keep an eye out on that. But you can get your other Built Bars at uh, at BuiltBar.com, 15% off. Uh, you buy, uh, get three free packs of Built Go right now with the purchase. 
So jump aboard, go grab your order. You can end up with a mixed option, 18 back or make your own bag. Plus they've got built bites, built broth, built boost, all available for you at builtbar.com. All right, let's get back to your questions. Uh, Jesse Golden Mark says, hi. He's been listening since 2012 and is in Detroit. I see used to see him at games all the time. Um, through this many games, how does our record compare to the great teams of the 98 Jazz or the Golden State teams that the Bulls of the 80s? Um, we're about right now, according to basketball references, SRS, like the 12th best team in NBA history. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Are Mia's minutes going to start to get extended? He produces and defends. We need a wing defender. In exchange of whom? Like, we don't get more minutes, so who's who's he playing instead of? Like, Jordan? We're, we have a nine-man rotation. Is he playing in front of Jordan, Joe, Mike, or Donovan? He's not playing in front of any of them. Tyson Scott, thank you very much on the uh, note on Instagram. Uh, so, I mean, Mione's done a great job. His biggest problem, he plays for too good a team. Roger, I love when you used to go do video breakdowns of certain plays of the previous game. I probably should do more of that. I, there's a few things I've not done enough of this year. I'm going to get back to. I haven't put highlight packages around plays and stuff and put those up on Instagram and Twitter for you. I haven't done enough of those video breakdowns. Um, so um, I should do more. Uh, Zach Lancaster, you bet, man. I remember you from the very beginning. Thank you very much. You are one of those names that kind of when it comes up on my screen, I know you. So is Scott Henry. Scott, thank you very much. This is a little bit of a love fest. Um, let's go to uh, our YouTube channel and get a comment about last night's win. Tight games are great for playoffs, especially crunch time. Yeah, no, we have not played a lot of crunch time. We need what, what Quinn really wants out of us in crunch time is to continue to play fast and continue to be going uh, and not get caught into that – you know, middle of the ring, fist pounding each other against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. We don't win that matchup. We don't win that matchup against LeBron. Probably don't win that matchup against Luka. We probably don't win that matchup against Dane. Like, I, I got to tell you what, like, we're great. But the respect that I have for the other Western Conference stars, like, I don't think Dallas's roster around Luka is very good. And Chris Dapps is, I was listening to Locked On Now when Nick Angstead's Locked On Mavericks Locked On Now the other night, and Chris Dapps didn't even play the end of the game. If you haven't caught those, by the way, at the end of every game, our lockdown hosts are doing uh, videos about the game. It's on lockdown NBA pod on Twitter. They're pretty great little summaries of everything that's going on. The big story out of Dallas was Chris Stapps didn't even play late last night. Like that's not a very good roster around Luca. Like I, I wouldn't, but I don't want to play Luca in the playoffs. Portland's going to be a beast of a knockout. Like I'm not entirely sure if the Clippers kind of don't get this thing. Like, Clippers beat Portland, I think. I think. But, like, you start to match that thing up. And I don't know. Like, I actually think the Norman Powell pickup's, like, way better than anyone's talking about. What Portland's basically done is built our team where now everyone can shoot with a big man, with two big men. And and, and they've got a world-class ball handler, Dane Lillard, that sets picks at 30 feet. 538 did a great piece on this. And you've got to guard him out there. And now he gets by you, and he's playing four on three at 30 feet with C.J. McCollum, with Robert Covington, and with Norman Powell. Like, you, Covington's the only guy you want to have shoot. Like, they're not quite as good a shooter as we are, but they're not far off. Like, keep an eye on Portland. I think they're great. 
Like, I think they can't defend at all. But with Nurkic, they're going to be able to defend better. And Nurkic is one of the better picket. You know, they're being criticized. If you go look up at the numbers, Nurkic's pick and roll defense was one of the best big man pick and roll defenses before he got hurt in the NBA. So they're great. Like, if they're the sixth seed, which I don't think they will be. I think they'll be 5-4. Like, I really think it's a real chance that the Clippers are getting the Lakers in the first round at 3-6. If not, the Lakers don't fall that far. It's Portland 6-3 against the Clippers. I don't know who wins that. Utah, like the eighth seed is, you're probably playing Golden State, San Antonio, New Orleans, or Memphis. Huge difference. Like the number one seed is massively important this year. Tyler, what's up? I'm excited to see Mitchell's pack has been po- uh, has to be positive now. We'll check it tomorrow uh, on our Friday thing. Scary first round matchup. Lakers, Clippers could be four or five. One gets knocked out in the Jazz face, the other in the second round. Sure. Denver, Portland could be four or five and equally as scary. Like, frankly, as I'm saying, I think Portland can beat the Clippers. I think Portland can beat us. Like, like, we have a hard time guarding Dame. Like, that's not a great matchup for us. We have a hard time guarding Jokic. You know why? Because they're great. I was thinking, interesting. well, Rudy can't, like, right, because they're the best players in the world. Those, those are tough matchups. Morris on Twitch, I believe the Jazz can beat the Lakers. I worry about Denver and the Nets and Philly. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers just haven't been right for an awfully long time due to injury, and so it's going to be interesting to see. They're great defensively, though. Frank Vogel is an elite, elite defensive coach who does an incredible job and deserves more credit than he gets for what he does defensively as a coach. And so they're going to be really, they're going to be really hard to stop uh, along the way. I mean, the West is crazy. Ben Golliver and I talk about it like a lot on the show today on Locked on NBA. Um, let's see what this message is. Coda Clark. I remember we were terrible. I really look forward to talking me off the ledge every day. I really enjoyed the daily DeVar back then. The one bright spot about every game that really cultivated, inspired my love and knowledge of the game. I can't, um, I remember when you said faves could be Dwight Howard light and you always helping our guys and love it. Keep doing it forever. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, let's see what else we got here before we wrap this baby up. We probably should end it on that. Um, as that was kind of a nice comment. Um, Jack T, how will the jazz deal with five out? They've tried some zone, but I'm not sure it worked well. Chicago will be a good test. Yeah, I, I mean, the zone actually has worked well. I think we have the second or third best zone defense in the NBA. We have the best you know defense overall in the NBA. You know, the key for us is keeping Rudy at the rim at all times. But then when you're playing Dame, you know, maybe keeping Rudy at the rim doesn't matter because they can shoot that many threes. I, I think Portland, it's worth keeping an eye on Portland on the amount of threes they take per game. I think they're going to go up to the 50%, 45% level that we're at right now. Um, I really think that, I really think that Terry Stotts is one of the great coaches in the league. Uh, I, I thought that I, 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 Ben Golliver, even in our show talks about Gary Trent being as good. I don't see that at all. Frankly, I don't see Gary Trent being nearly as good as Norman Powell. Um, but I, I'm also, you know, in fairness, I am a big Norman Powell fan. Um, interesting, really interesting. I'm wrong on some of this. Uh, their last two games since they got Norman Powell, they are at 34 and 34% from three. Their previous games, Portland, while they've been surviving without everybody, are at, were, were at 50% of their shots as threes for a stretch there. They're playing similarly to what we're doing right now, and they've added a shooter. I, I really do like that Portland team. We'll see. Uh, I could be wrong. Is it possible for Donovan to enter the MVP conversation? 
here's my honest answer on this. And I'm not like, I just don't like, he can enter the conversation, but he's not Luca. He's not Dame. He's not Nikola Jokic. He's not LeBron. He's great. Rudy's great. But actually, like, I think the essence of who we are is that they're actually, we don't have that MVP, right? That's a little bit of my take on this is that's actually not what we have. That's what, you know, I know we want our guy to get the recognition. We want our guys to get that pub. And Donovan's been unbelievable. When you consider Donovan's in his fourth year compared to the guys I'm talking about there, it's it's really even more remarkable what he's doing. But I, I don't actually think that that's a fair, like, I, I actually don't think he, like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean that. I hope that makes sense. Like, he's played amazing. We have the best record in the NBA. We're a team that does it as a group. And I and I think that's great. But I, I guess I'm not. I, I, You got my thoughts, right? I think you understand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be critical. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be critical. I just don't actually, when I look at like, when I rank the best players in the NBA, like he's not in the top five. No, no, frankly, nor is Rudy. And I love Rudy to the end of the earth. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Jokic has been amazing. I think Dame probably, if I, I changed my vote in the middle of lockdown NBA today. Um, I, I probably would vote for Dame if this. Um, all right, let's wrap it. That's not a positive note to nap it on. Um, I'll, I'll just say thank you, guys. Like, amazing. 10 years. Can't believe we're doing it. Hopefully we'll do another 10 years. This thing will be grayer. Um, there was a jazz meeting once where the president of the organization was talking about doing extra efforts, and he talked about how I got up in the morning, I was unshowered, and I looked ridiculous, and I still was willing to go on video. I thought it was a compliment. I wasn't sure. Um, and that's kind of the essence of this show. Like, I think it's good, but I'm not sure. And... Uh, you know, I appreciate all you supporting it. That is Locked on Jazz for today. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks to the Instagram crowd as well. This is the Locked on Podcast Network right now. Tell your smart device to go listen to the most recent episode of podcast Locked on today. See you.